Why is the new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed your answer to better health and wellness? It's proven quality sleep. Any more questions? Yes, I'm always freezing, and he overheats. It's temperature balancing, so you can sleep better together. But can it help keep us asleep? It senses your movements and automatically adjusts to keep you effortlessly comfortable. So I'll have more energy for yoga. Yes, proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. Namaste. Namaste to you, too. And now, save up to $1,000 on the new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed and adjustable base, only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. Hello, you're listening to Fulhamish Extra, your weekly extra dosage of Fulham FC content. I'm your host, Don Betts, and joining me in today's podcast is Jack Kelly. Coming up on today's show, we have a look ahead to Friday night's game at the Cottage against Middlesbrough and get an update on under-23s from Louis Waldock. Joining us to look ahead to Friday night's game is Dominic Shaw, who covers Middlesbrough for Teesside Live, and we started off by asking him whether last night's 2-1 loss to Tottenham has been seen as a missed opportunity by Borough fans. Yeah, I do think there was a sense of what might have been over both, over both games, really, because you know, having having got in front in the first game, um, and Spurs dominated possession in that first game, but they were very predictable. Uh, certainly in the front third, you know, they had a lot more about them last night. So to get to get Middlesbrough in front in the first game, and then to not, you know, to, to get pegged back, and then last night, I mean, Borough struggled. Borough struggled defensively in the first half, but they did have the moments. You know, the Metcher, uh forced that good save out of Gazaniga. Fletcher headed wide, wing had the free kick, and then as you say, in that last 10, 15, 20 minutes, I, I think the second half actually would get got a reaction out of them in the second half, and. Uh, Spurs did look vulnerable and I do think you know Woodgate said that he, you know, he said he had mixed emotions afterwards kind of disappointed with the manner of the goals the way Borough started but then proud of the way they come back and as I said left wondering what might have maybe been yeah, Both goals came from defensive errors May has given the yeah. ball away in the first half to Lacelso and then Lamella uh, being able to Slightly too easily outmuscled the way, his way back into the game to uh, then score what was turned out to be a lovely finish. Um, when when it comes to these individual mistakes, is this what's keeping some of these players away from the first team regularly? Because it wasn't Borough's strongest side. Well, may uh, ask probably yes. It's a second stint at Borough. Uh, I talk Ranker initially signed him from Real Madrid. I think, ironically, Jose Mourinho might want to manage him at Real. He did. Um, yeah, and he signed him. Um, to be the to be the number one, but he, and he had his chance to be the number one, but didn't. He's a good shot stopper, my house. You saw that last night. He made two or three good saves. Same in the first game. Um, it's his decision making. He'll, he'll flap at crosses, and you saw that with with um, with his ball out, with his pass out for the first goal. I mean, the second goal, um, it was Johnny Housen who was muscled off, but you know you couldn't. You could fight. You won't find anyone on the T side who'd have a bad word to say about Housen this year because he's been brilliant. You know, he's a centre midfield player who's playing at centre half, and that that was the thing with Borough last night. Uh, you know, they had Paddy McNair and Johnny Housen at centre half, two centre midfield players. They had a 19-year-old at right back, um, right wing back, Jed Spence, who's been brilliant. It, it's credit really and testament that the way Woodgate has turned Borough's form around that they've done it while they're missing so many key players. You know, Britta Sambalonga, obviously Dan Randolph's gone now, but he was injured. George Friend, club captain. Daniel Ayala, who, who's probably or has been the best defender in the championship over recent years. Um, Ryan Shotton, obviously Britta Sambalonga. You know, the list goes on. So I think that that's why there is kind of a feeling of optimism all at once at Borough, that, that things have turned round and, and that they're only going to get better. What difference do you think this game's actually going to make in going into Friday's game? Do you think the, the fitness levels of Middlesbrough won't be uh, what they would as ahead if it was just a normal Saturday game seven days apart? 
Well, Woodgate said before the game in his press conference on Monday and afterwards again last night that he'd um, have quite liked to have left Jed Spence out because uh, 19-year-old kid, he's played an awful lot of football and, and his numbers, when the when the technical, when the backroom team have looked down and looked at his numbers, he's you know the, he, he's in need of a rest really, but he doesn't have any other right wing-backs. Um, but he did leave a few out last night. Hayden Coulson, the young left-back, who's done really well, he'll come back in on Friday. Wouldn't surprise me if he tinkered up top, maybe started instead. Patrick Roberts, who's in on loan, um, has done very well since she came in. He'll play again on Friday. So he does have options. And and, and I think, you know, although, although they got beat last night and it, and it brings a six-game unbeaten run to an end, I think the manner of the second-half performance and the way they went out, they kind of go out with their heads held high and, and, and it kind of maintains that feel-good factor that's been around the club for the last five, six weeks or so. So... I think they'll still go to Fulham. Obviously, Fulham have been hit with that Mitrovic blow. So I think they'll still go to Fulham. Um, you know, they've won at West Brom and Preston recently and won very well on both occasions. So I think they'll go to Fulham and, and fancy it. <laughs> you, see, you should see Dom's face at the moment. He doesn't look like he's very impressed with that prediction. Um, in terms of the league position, up to 16, 10 points clear of the relegation zone. Like you said, uh, now unbeaten in five in the league, four wins on the bounce before the draw against Derby at the weekend. There were questions being asked about Woodgate earlier in the season. Are they are they gone now? Is everyone at the Riverside happy with Woodgate? Is he done enough to become not only a club legend as a player, but moving towards being a long term management management prospect at the Riverside? I think there was a you know there was the performances and results earlier in the season were and and, and Woodgate be the first to admit that a lot of fans didn't want him to get the job in the first place because they wanted something new and they weren't convinced. Um, you know, kind of a, an inexperienced head coach was was the way forward. He, he spoke very well in his press conferences unveiling, and that turned a lot of fans around. But then, obviously, as we know, you you, you judge, but you judge on results, and results weren't good enough. Um, nobody really saw the turnaround coming. But credit to Woodgate, he's he stuck to his guns, um, and he's and he and he has turned things around. Even when even when things were weren't going well though in the first half of the season, the kind of noises coming from the top of the club were that they weren't going to panic. Um, you know, there was an awful lot of mitigation, but we lost a lot of key players in the summer and, um, <clears throat> you know, players that we've listed before and who, who would get into many championship sides, if not all. Um, and then there's that injury list, you know, the, the, the ridiculous list of injuries he's had to deal with in the first half of the season. Um, so all things considered, I think there was an acceptance that this was going to be a season of transition. And, and now... Even if even if they finish what middle of the road mid table, but, but continue in the vein that they have done in recent weeks, then it gives them something to build on for next season and looking forward, and especially with the young lads coming through. And I, and I think that's, that's what fans that's what fans are tapping into. You mentioned Jed Spence and Pat Roberts, obviously two players, especially in Pat Roberts' case, is that Fulham fans will know well. Obviously, Jed Spence, I'll start off with just because obviously he's, he's had this meteoric rise in Middlesbrough team recently. And, you know, he came for our youth academy. I think he made maybe one League Cup appearance. And then, obviously, you picked him up after we didn't offer him a permanent contract. What do you think? What, do you think we can pin what went wrong maybe in his early career that you've seen at early times on Borough? Do you think he just didn't get enough chances at Fulham to show what he's really about? I don't. I, I'm not sure, to be honest. I don't. I don't know the background. I spoke to him recently after a game. Uh, he was put up to speak to the press, and he was. Um, he he told them that obviously he don't the ball, but he got the chance to come to Borough. And it, you know, it's a big culture shock. A young lad who lived, grew up living in London, and suddenly he, he moves up to the northeast. Last year, Tony Pulis talked about it a few times with 
with George Savile, how, you know, he's a young lad who's, who's lived in London and he's, and he's come up and lived in, in, in Teesside, which is a completely different environment. And, and Savile's five, six, seven years older than, than Jed Spence. Woodgate, Woodgate worked with the, the, the under-19s, the under-23s, as um, in the years ahead, in the years before he got the job. So he knew the young lads and he, and he fancied Jed Spence right from the start. And, and he admitted this week that Spence wasn't really great in, in pre-season and he had to bide his time this year. You know, when he, he didn't have a squad number when he came in for the Charlton game. He hadn't even been in the squad before, so it was a surprise that he was named. Again, it was because of this injury list I'm on about. But then sometimes, I mean, you look back, you know, Man United years and years ago, Marcus Rashford given his chance because of injuries. And sometimes, you know, youngsters need that, don't they? Just half a, half a glimpse of an opportunity. And, and he's come in and absolutely taken his chance. And I think last night was his ninth game. Uh, and it was the first time he'd been on the losing side. He has been a breath of fresh air. And, and him at right wing back and Hayden Coulson at left wing back really have been key to the turnaround because they give the side the energy that Woodgate is so desperate for. Same with Marcus Tavernier in midfield. So, so he's he has been he has been excellent. And and you know his, his deal runs out. I think it's this summer. But uh, Woodgate has already confirmed they're in talks. Spence says he's happy. Uh, so I would I would fully expect that to be resolved pretty quickly. If we're looking at the reverse fixture of this season, I'd rather a repeat of that not happen again. Trekking all the <laughs> way up to uh, the northeast of that turgid nil-nil with the Mark Rodak sending off. But obviously, if we're looking at though, we're probably probably still in a similar position than we were when that game occurred. Obviously, you've gone this recent run of form. What has changed at Middlesbrough, obviously, since that game? Because obviously, you, when when that game was happening, it didn't like you hit a barn door with a banjo. Yeah, I think I think at that stage, but, but the problem was at that stage. I think Borough kind of didn't know what they were or what they wanted to be. So Woodgate came in in the summer and he was talking a lot about, you know, wanting to play a hard press and wanting to attack teams and, and, and pass the ball about at speed. But then, you know, you forget that he had taken over a Tony Pulis team. So really, he, he's, he's come in wanting to do one thing with a team designed to do the absolute opposite. And he, and he admitted pretty early doors that he wasn't perhaps braced for how difficult it was going to be to, to, to get, to try and get Borough playing a completely different way. So credit to him in the early stages of the season, really, he had to go against what he wanted to do and he had to make Borough more, uh, he had to be more pragmatic and make Borough more uh, more difficult to beat. Um, you know, early in the season, he'd said after the Blackburn defeat that Tony Mowbray pulled him to one side and, and, and it was obviously a, a T-side legend, Morgan, former Borough manager, and said that we all, we, all want to, we all want to play a certain way and we all want to win games in a certain way. But, but ultimately, you've got to get results. And I think Woodgate's done that now. He's, he's learned how to get results. And now, now he's done that and made Borough hard to beat and put the solid foundations in place. Now we're starting to see the football that he wanted to play initially. So, so I think they were kind of a bit of a, at a halfway house at that stage of the season. Fulham are a team this season where it seems like if we score first, we pretty much go on to win the game. But if we concede first, we don't like back coming together. I think the only game we've gone behind and gone ahead to win was the QPR fixture a few months ago. So do you think Woodgate will be seeing stats like that? I mean, looking to attack Fulham from the off, or are they still just going to soak up pressure, you think, and still try to hit Fulham on the counter-attack? Honestly, it's been so hard to call recently. I mean, no one expected Rudy Gestead playing at Preston, for example. He was thrown in from nowhere, really. And, and I think that's what... But same with West, West Brom. He, he played Jed Spence wide right in a 4-2-3-1 at West Brom, so no one saw that coming. He, he, what he did say, and he said this a couple of times, is he'd already had his team in mind for Fulham ahead of the Tottenham game. So 
there were certain players who he told ahead of Tottenham, look, you're not playing there, but you'll be in at Fulham. So Hayden Coulson, I would think, would be one of them. Um, but Ashton Fletcher has played a lot of football recently, so it wouldn't surprise me if he played Gestead and, and maybe Roberts off him and, and kind of tried to go direct. Um, but, you know, he's not afraid to kind of play teams at their own game. So, But I think that, that's probably... Again, another another factor which has helped Borough of late and that they have got more than one way to play, more than one string to the ball, and, and then that makes it difficult to plan to play against them. All right, Dom, score prediction, please. Uh, I, I think I fancy Borough to score. But I think a score draw, 1-1, and Borough will take that. Would you like the latest Fulham breaking news straight to your phone? I thought you might. If so, sign up to the Fulhamish WhatsApp channel and you'll receive regular match day updates, transfer updates, breaking FFC news and podcast alerts. It's 100% free and you can opt out any time if you want. To sign up, go to fullermish.co.uk forward slash WhatsApp and follow the instructions. That's fullermish.co.uk forward slash WhatsApp. With the emergence of Jay Stansfield in recent matchday squads, we thought it'd be great to get a load on how our under-23s have been getting on this season and which players we could see make a breakthrough into the first team in the near future with our expert, Louis Waldock. So let's just start by asking you about how good is Jay Stansfield? I'll tell you what, one appearance for the 23s, one goal, which actually puts him ahead currently of, well, everyone else in the squad. Um, and the fact that he missed out on the 18s tonight makes me think that he will be back on the bench, certainly, uh, Friday night against Middlesbrough. So I think, well, clearly he's got the work ethic and clearly he's got the ability. So Scott Parker's recognising that. And, well, hopefully we've got a real talent in our hands. We've obviously seen in recent years the likes of Corley Woodrow and Stephen Humphreys coming to the side, who, have, who never made it at Fulham, but Corley Woodrow is obviously doing the business now at Barnsley, and we could probably do with him now with Mitrovic being injured. But um, he, isn't gonna, he isn't just going to be the, another Stephen Humphreys. Do you, do you think he actually has got the ability to make, make a real sort of impact in the Fulham team in the coming years? I think so. Um, I think with the right manager, and Parker does seem to be one to bring in youth players um, maybe not rush him you know, I don't like, expect him to set the world alight this season but you know, with some time with the 23s some time in and around the first team I think we could create someone better than Woodrow and Humphreys uh, Obviously we've got Middlesbrough on Friday obviously Jed Spence and Patrick Roberts coming from Fulham how do you think they'll fare on, uh, on Friday night? <laughs> It's going to be the game that Pat Roberts remembers how to play football. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think the last couple of years since he left Celtic, Roberts hasn't really done much. Um, but Jed Spence is looking like one of the up-and-coming players in the championship. Mm. Um, I don't know if you saw how he played against Spurs last night, but he kept Ryan Sessegnon in his back pocket. With, with Jed Spence, obviously Fulham didn't give him that full-time contract. Do you think he just didn't have the opportunities to show how good he really was, or do you think he's just sort of been a bit of a late bloomer in that sense? I think a bit of both. And you see it with with a lot of players. It was uh, the case of Tom Kearney at Leeds. They just didn't see anything of him, so they thought, right, he's he's not going to make it with us. Let's just get rid now, cut our losses. But um, I think maybe he's just found the right club for him, found the right manager, found the right system, and perhaps it just timing wasn't good for Fulham. Uh, obviously, Matt O'Reilly had that unfortunate incident where he was uh, substituted after coming on as a sub. Do you think he'll make any more appearances this season? I hope so. Um, I expect to see him in the squad again on Friday. Yeah. Um, at least I, I hope. Um, 
and personally, I thought he did well. He didn't deserve to come off. And I understand why Parker did it, bringing on a more attacking player. But I think O'Reilly's got the quality to make a, a much bigger impact in the first team. With with Matt O'Reilly, where do you think he would he would fit into this midfield? Do you think, like, what kind of midfielder would he have? Because sometimes we play, obviously, one deep and sort of two going further forward. Sometimes it is, you know, more of a three where you have got, got, you know, someone sitting back like K-Mac or Harrison Reed, and then you've got a Johansson or an Arta or a Josh Onam in the middle just behind Tom Kearney. Do you think, because obviously when he first came through, and I think the first preseason tour he went on was in 2017 when, um, when he well, obviously when went to went to Poland. Do you think that obviously he was more of a number ten back then? Obviously he was a year younger than the Sessegnon brothers, and obviously he got along really well with them. Do you think in the middle of the park in sort of the number eight role, box to box, creating from there is where he most best fit in in this Fulham team? I think for the time being, box to box. But in the future, I could see him playing as the holding one, um, sort of sitting deep. And sort of, I think it's weird, but a holding playmaker. Like, he will be the one picking the passes, looking for the long balls. But he won't be the one that's getting in the box and scoring goals. If we go back quickly to Jay Stansfield, what what do you think Parker has seen in him that he hasn't seen in, let's say, someone like Timmy Abraham, who's sort of been in the Fulham youth teams, obviously known because of the younger brother of Tammy. What do you think Scott Parker has seen in him that's totally different to, you know, what he's seen in other in other strikers? I think... The biggest thing is attitude um, and work ethic. And from what I've seen of Abraham, he he gets frustrated very, very quickly. And um, I think we've we've heard similar things about Taylor Crossdell with why Chelsea didn't want to keep him. It's just he felt he should have been in and around the first team and he wasn't happy about being left out. And I think Stansfield is just one of those players that will keep his head down, get on with it, take every chance he gets and just sort of be more humble, perhaps. Uh, when it comes to the under-23s, a lot of teams get what looks like a great squad of under-23s together. Not many of them often break in properly to the first team. They might get a few appearances. How many of the players in the Fulham under-23s at the moment can you see being fixtures in the first team for the next five, ten years? Um, well, I think the main one, as we've touched on already, is Matt O'Reilly. But I'd like to see Marlon Fossey, if he can stay fit. Um, Moritz Jens looks like quite a promising centre-back and same with Jerome Apoku he's uh, um, being absolutely raved about at Accrington Stanley at the moment um, I know it's not saying much but in future years perhaps if we're still at this level Apoku would be one to watch um, but in terms of going forwards Stansfield I mean we've, we've seen him already um, we know he is going to work hard but other than that I'm not sure how many of this crop will make it for us in the first team. If someone who sort of recently left the club was obviously Teo Eden, he's now moved over across the Lincoln City up north. You know, when he when whenever he came into the Fulham side, he looked he looked fairly decent. There was a few performances under Slavisa Kanovic where he did a job. Do you think it was you know it's, it was time where he needed to be playing first team football week in week out? Yeah, and I think getting his position right was a big thing as well. Um, we saw him. I think it was Millwall at home two seasons ago he played 90 minutes in that central midfield and he was one of the best players on the pitch but for the 23s he seems to be playing at left back which is not a good position for him I've seen him a couple of times this season and he just goes missing because he is a midfielder so so he's sort of Fulham's version of Ainsley Melton Niles (laughs) yeah (laughs) if that makes sense yeah absolutely but I think 
Eden had promised he had potential, but I'm guessing I'm probably the only one that thinks that if the club are willing to let him go. Um, I don't know. I mean, oh, sorry. I, I know it's sort of aging out of the youth system now anyway, but I think perhaps had he blossomed a bit earlier, he could have made it. Oh, I don't know if you've seen, but um, Luca De La Torre has been um, linked with a move to Sweden. I don't know if you've seen that, but um, what would you think of that? Yeah. Because obviously he's had his chances with the first team, but it hasn't really worked out for him. I think a move away is probably going to be best for De La Torre. I'm not sure. Is it Jurgarden? Um, I don't really know anything about them, to be honest. But I've also seen him being linked with Peterborough. And I think staying in England would be right for him, mm. maybe going down a division. But I'd like to see him leave on loan rather than on a permanent because I think there is still something there. And we saw against Millwall in the Cup last season a goal and two assists and they couldn't cope with him. So he is one of the players that I think could have a future in the first team, but there just seems to be no room for him at the moment. Just for Sylvester and obviously Jane Harris on the bench against Villa. I mean, we've seen Jane Harris a couple of times on the bench this season. You know, Jasper Sylvester, I think, you know, two of these players, most Fulham fans have probably only heard of him by playing football manager and seeing him in, in the youth <laughs> setup. Um, what kind of players are they and what could they offer to the team? Um, well, Jaden Harris is a strange one because he's played on the wing in all but one game for the Unders this season. But we saw him pre-season uh, against Brighton and against Oxford and he was a defensive midfielder in both, um, which I think is his better position. Um, as for Sylvester Jasper, he's creative and he's, um, he always chips in with a few goals here, here and there, but he is sort of the one that is getting Jay Stansfield all his goals for the under-18s. Okay. I think that's something we, we will need in the future, just some creative spark. Cavalero, Cavalera Came to us on loan to bring us straight back up Cavalero, Cavalera Came to us on loan to bring us straight back up As per usual on our Lost Sport Radio show with our brand new host, Miles Blumson, we answered a load of your questions from Instagram. So make sure you're following us at Fulhamish Pod if you want your question to make it onto the podcast. Alistair Nemo has asked, can the level of injuries this season be attributed to our style of play? I'm I'm not too sure, because if anything... It's not been like super intense the way we've been playing. Mm. If anything, it's been not intent, not enough intensity yeah. in the way we've been playing. So I don't know. I think we got lucky, I think, in 16, 17 and 17, 18, that the only sort of serious injury we got was probably the one to Tom Kearney mm. in, in the second season. And we got lucky. I think, you know, injuries are bound to happen. I don't think that our style of play has got too much to do with it. I, but I, I do think you know, we, no team gets unlucky of injuries. I, I, I don't I don't buy into that. But I don't think it's got to do with our style of play. I just think maybe the players we had this season maybe are more prone to injuries than we had in previous seasons. Do you think low intensity can actually increase the chance of injury sometimes because they're not putting in the sprints as regularly? So when they do go, their muscles aren't, haven't warmed up as much. Yeah, there's been a couple of like quite like not unnecessary injuries, but ones that have come out of nowhere. I remember Joe Bryan getting one really early in the game against I think it was Reading. Uh, or Bristol City. Um, I think that we've been slightly unlucky at times because Harry Arter got a quite a long-term injury uh, when we played Stoke. Harrison Reed has been like on and off for uh, a couple of months now, and I feel like he's one of our most key players at the moment. Um, it could be a blessing in disguise that we don't have Mitrovic again because we can have more pace up front with um, 
Bobby Reed and like Knockart, Caviero, Kenny in behind. So mm. I'm quite looking forward to seeing how we do play on Friday night. Sam Gardner, preferred starting eleven with Mitro out. Mm. Well, formation and players, of course. Well, so I'd start with Rodak and Garth, and that's fairly obvious. In defence, probably go Cyrus Christie at right back, Ream and Mark Hector at centre back, Adoy slotting at left back. I still will at the moment after his performance against the weekend. You, you keep Brian out. Yeah, I, I, I've not been impressed with Brian at all this season. I think he's been fairly poor. I think he's been positioning out of play so many times. And, you know, Adoy didn't do anything bad enough for, to bring a Brian back in, I think, against Hull. I think he did perfectly well. Mm. I think he dealt with Jared Bowen extremely well. So, mm. yeah, I'm, I'd, I'd keep him inside. Then in the mid, in the midfield three, if, if everyone's fit, we're saying here, Harrison Reed, Josh Onomer and Tom Kearney with Bobby Reed through the middle in a 4-3-3 here with obviously Knockout one side and even Caviero on the other. Yeah, that's pretty much what, what was picked on the weekend. Yeah, uh, Kevin McDonald obviously was playing at the heart of midfield. Uh, sorry, at the base of midfield and he did really well. Then he went on a night out with Johansson in Wimbledon, which was quite interesting. Um, our, our ends, Jack, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I was, I was like, oh, I'm gutted I didn't go out because, but I never go to the place they were at anyway. So, but um, yeah, if you'd they, seen it on wait, social they, media, you would have made go? a beeline. Garrett and they went to the Garrett and Gorge. Gorge. Yeah, opposite oh, the oh, best curry oh, house in oh, London. Oh, that's class. <laughs> they, went to the Garrett, they went to the Garrett. That that is sensational from them too. Uh, would you change any any of those players? Uh, no, I think I, I think that's pretty much spot on. Maybe I would start Joe Bryan, but I thought Adoy was our man of the match. I don't know why they gave it to Caviar because he scored a goal. Clearly, that's, that's how, that's how yeah. full of man of the match award works. <laughs> he's not a natural left back though, Adoy is he? He's, he's, no, actually, what, in terms of on the ball, how, how's he, he getting te- on? When we signed him, he actually was, was a left back, he yeah. was playing left back in Belgium. It's because he's yeah. right footed, which obviously confused people. But he's always said he actually prefers playing left back to right back, but. When he's played from, he's never been natural anyway. He's just been very good at left back, right back, and centre back. Mm. Remember, the season we got promoted, he, it was him and Tim Ream that were sort of staples at the back in the centre back position. So I think I, I don't know if Adoy is is underrated in that sense that people don't actually see him. People just see him just as a utility man as opposed to actually a really big first. It's called shame. There's no guy Barlow here because he would be he would be screaming his praises <laughs> like he always does. But yeah, I think for me. I just feel like Adoy is just a bit more defensively aware than uh, Joe Bryant. Fulham Fan Hub have asked, why do we score so many bangers? I think it's because we've got so many players who actually just have that individual quality yeah. to score these these absolute cra- crazy wonder goals. We've seen so many this season. We've seen quite a few from Ivan Carriero. Obviously, mm. Knockarts against Villa, Harry Arters against Villa. Kearney scored a few this season. I think... I'm not saying it's getting us out, getting us out of jail or anything, but I do think that we just do have that individual quality in our squad yeah. to get something out of nothing. Which whether it's getting us out of a hole, maybe, but we know we've got it and it it, it does happen. And and the thing is, like Josh Onam is capable of it as well. He's done it in the past. I think it was England under twenty ones. He scored mm. a screamer for a few years ago. Yeah, he scored the really good goal against um, Leeds United, which won us the game, and that's kind of changed everyone's opinion about Josh Onam. Now he's. Well, probably one of the, the best players we have in our squad, the one that I want, want to start most games. I think also the reason we score a lot of bangers is because our, our side of play is quite predictable. We always play it to the wings and then pass it around the box. And then at times people are just like, oh, I'm just going to have a go. And then like Knockhart scores and Caviero scores, one of my scores. Um, and Kearney scores, that's how we score the bangers. Exactly. Okay, uh, from Victor Schlatt, again, a weekly asker of fans' questions. That was a good question. Uh, Favourite African Fulham player? Oh. This is this is a tough one. I think, you know, the, the one there's ones that come to your mind straight away. I'm thinking Papa Boopa Diop. Yeah. I'm thinking Dixon Atuhu. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking John Pantsil. Mm-hmm. They're just so. They're, those are the three for me who come straight to the fore when thinking of our best African player. I I think Dix. I'm gonna go Dixon Atuhu because 
I just, you know, that wonder goal, as he said, they get away to Juventus, no, the one that deflected him. But I do think that he was an underrated player in that Europa League run and the seasons that followed. You know, he held that midfield, he held that midfield together at, at some stages. And obviously he's got up to mischievous business away, away in Sweden recently. But, you know, Dixon Atuhu, um, you know, he had, a, he had a great chance. I want to walk like you, talk like you, Dixon Atuhu. <laughs> so, but no, yeah, I mean, but then you can't look, then you also got Papa Bupa Diop's just thunderbolts, the wardrobe, yeah, as, exactly. as some would say. Like, for me, you, a guy whose nickname is the wardrobe has to be a cult <laughs> legend. Yeah, he was slightly before my time. So I'm going to go with either Floyd Ayite, although he did help me with a ball at Burton away once, which was painful. <laughs> uh, but I will go with Niskan Scabano because I just love him. I just I just want him to play more. I think he's like injured at the moment. Um, he scored a couple of key goals for us and he's just an all-round great guy. There's There's one more question here and it's to Dom from Dan Williams. Sorry, Jack. It's to Dom. Uh, What is the best pint you've had at an away ground? Not pie, pint you've had. Beer. What beer are you drinking, mate? So, um, it's an away ground, but I was in the home end of the ground. It wasn't for a Fulham game. Yeah. But it was when I went to Southampton for the England-Kosovo game. Right. And they had Goose Session IPA at half-time. Okay. So, so you're an IPA man? Well, it's just a bit something different, a bit different to a Carling or a Foster's, isn't it? Just for a bit or Budweiser, change up a bit. So I really enjoyed that. There was a good ale that Stoke were doing this season. That that was alright. It was a bit it was a bit weak. Um, but no, I think you know because usually when you go to a ground, it's like what Foster's, Carlsberg, Amstel. Maybe in Amstel if you're lucky. It was Amst- Amstel and Heineken at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah. They're the options. Amstel's nice, yeah. Yeah, the, but yeah, I, I, for me, I'm going to go, I'm going to count Southampton for that game and yeah, a bit of Goose Session IPA, that was nice. They've always got cans of Guinness as well, which is always a bit weird because you want Guinness off draft, not yeah. off a can, but at the same time, Guinness takes ages to pour. Yeah. So if you get any Guinness, you're either going to have to wait till halfway through the second half before you yeah. get it as they turn <laughs> well, the tap well, off and then put the gas out. They suppose you have Guinness at Fulham, but the way they're trying to pour out to get for everyone for half time, that can't, that can't taste nice. It's not a Guinness anymore. I think the thing is about football grounds, is it's, it's associated with lager, but you know, ale, especially in a 15 minute period when mm. you, have to, you have to drink quickly at half time, uh, ale is not going to get that gassy bubble. It's nicer, yeah, Ful- smoother. Fulham, I don't know if it's still there now. We're re- redeveloping the side stand at the Riverside, but there used to be an ale hut down the side at Craven right. Cottage, and used to get I think it was a Ludlow Gold Ale down there. <laughs> that 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 was that was that was all right. But you know, I think definitely that Goose Session IPA at Southampton was what just about sensational. it? Why was it so good? It was just dif- just said just different, something a bit different. I'm just use of a it's either like Tetley's. Yeah, but you or... can get a Bulmers and say it's different. You get anything and say it's different. There's got to be something good about it. Why is it the best? This is the best away pint. You keep saying about how many grounds you've been to you're just saying one's good because it's different come on well Goose Session IPA is just a nice beer as in, as in it's you, it's enjoyable to drink as opposed to getting a Carling or yeah I think a Carling at Wolves is probably the, the low <laughs> light hello I'm Lucas Piazon and when I'm not winding up Reading fans I'm listening to Fulhamish Podcast that's it for this week's extra podcast hope to see many of you down at the cottage on Friday night as possible come on you whites up the Fulham and we'll see you on Monday for a full debrief for the action 